Thank you, worship team. Looks like the kids are doing what they know to do to go off to their classrooms. So if you are, I believe, ages fifth grade and under and still haven't gone, then go ahead and head off to the classroom. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's a privilege. Uh, if you don't know who I am, I'm David Sluka. I'm the worship pastor here. And uh, once in a while, I get the awesome responsibility to talk about God's word with you. And I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And it's also very nerve wracking every single time. So, um, but it's because God's word is clear. And we want to make sure that we are saying what he says and not just what we think. We have a lot of opinions that we pick up. So I just want to be careful with what I say today. I want to be sensitive. We're in James chapter 1, looking at verses 12 to 18 today. James 1, 12 to 18. Does anyone want to take a stab at what we're going to talk about today? Trials. Trials. Who said that? Is that you, Andy? Thank you, brother. I mean, I always count on you for that participation. Trials. Man, we've been, this is the fourth week in James, and I think we've talked about trials basically every single time. And so we just want to hit it one more time because that's how James does it in the first half of the chapter. We go verse by verse, and uh, that's just the way things ended up today. So we're going to talk about trials. And uh, just a reminder, James is writing to a group of people who are going through like a pretty difficult time. If you remember, they're part of the dispersion. They are believers who are being cursed, persecuted for their faith. The same faith that we have, this group is being persecuted and driven from their homes. That's something that I can't imagine, I can't relate to. So if anyone needed to hear how to deal with trials, it would be this group. And the first thing that Pastor Mike talked to us about was we need to consider it all what? Joy. Hey, you guys pay attention. That's, that's fantastic. Consider it all joy when we go through trials of various kinds. And that's not just like a suck it up buttercup kind of statement. It's deeper than what you feel. Joy is not just a feeling. It's, it's an understanding. It's a perspective that God is going to use the trial I'm going through to do something good. And that requires faith, doesn't it? It requires a belief in something that you may not actually see at the moment. And it's the most important thing that we have. James doesn't want these people to lose their faith, even if they lose everything else. And that's the most important thing. So we have to have a, a perspective like that. That was the first thing Matt, Pastor Mike talked about. Another thing he talked about was if we lack wisdom, if we don't know what to do, what should we do? Ask. Ask God. Ask God for wisdom. And the promise is that if we do that in faith, God will give us wisdom. And that doesn't mean that we understand everything, right? There's a lot of things we don't understand. We still may not feel any better, honestly. But God will give us what we need to get through whatever it is that we're going through. That's just based on what God's word says. Again, what do we want to build our lives on? What we think? Our opinions? What people we respect tell us? It needs to be based on what God says. That's what we believe. So... You need to have a good perspective. You need to have wisdom. You need to ask for wisdom. But before you can do anything like that, there's something else that needs to happen. It's the most fundamental thing that we can do. And it's based on verse 12. It's where we're going to start. And it is loving God. Before you can have a different perspective, before you can cry out in faith for wisdom, you need to be loving 
God. And if it sounds simple, it is. It's not easy, but that's the gist of it. If you love God, then you will endure trials. And we'll talk more about that. Another thing we're going to talk about today is temptation. Anybody struggle with temptation in this room? Not a single one of you. Really? Really? I'm just kidding. Yeah, JR, look at that. Yes. We all struggle with temptation. I'm not saying that everybody gives in to temptation. That's not what I'm saying, although it does happen sometimes. Sometimes I give in to temptation. But we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about where it doesn't come from and why it's effective. And if we can understand that, then we can actually do something about it. Spoiler alert, God does not tempt you. Okay? We're going to see that very clearly in the passage that we read. We need to understand that sin is our fault when it happens. And if we can understand that, then we can actually change. Rick, Heather, so good to see you guys here. Glad to see you. There's been a lot of sickness going around, and so it's just a joy to see people that we've been praying for um, doing okay. Last thing we're going to talk about is, again, very simple. We need to remember the goodness of God in every single circumstance. How easy is it when you have a rough time to forget just how good God is? It may be somewhere in our subconscious, but it's not what we're thinking about. We're thinking about how crappy things can get, and they can get pretty bad, right? So James has a simple reminder to remember the goodness of God, most clearly seen in the gift of Jesus Christ for salvation. If you are confused by anything that I just said, especially when, when it comes to salvation. We're going to talk about that. What's, what's salvation? What's that? What's loving God? What's that? what's that about? That's what we're going to talk about, okay? It's not flashy. It's just what God's Word says, and it's just where we ended up today. So let's read the verses together. James 1, 12 through 18. I intend to pray after that, and then we'll talk about some details. James 1, starting with verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this awesome privilege to look at your word. Holy Spirit, direct us, direct our minds. Nothing that I can say or do can make a difference, but you do that. You take your word and you make it alive. So Holy Spirit, have your way. Be glorified. Give us wisdom. Give us insight. 
and grace to understand and to obey what we hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, verse 12. Everybody all right? I hear some murmurings, some head nods. I'm just going to say this may not seem super exciting, all right? So let's do our best to be engaged. We have an opportunity to learn from God. Here we go. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. Remains steadfast. In the beginning of the chapter, it talked about counting it all joy because the trial is going to produce something in us called steadfastness. You guys remember that? The title of the series is Steadfast. It's the most important thing. Going through a trial is going to to strengthen your faith. That's what, what it's saying. Strengthen your faith. So that's what a trial produces, and then if, according to this verse, if you remain steadfast, you will be blessed. Does that make sense? Because the trials keep coming, and you will be blessed because your faith will stay intact. If you can remain steadfast, your faith is intact, it's getting stronger, it's not getting lost, it's not getting broken because of the things that you go through. Make sense? We go through some pretty difficult things. Blessed means happy. I think we all know that happy is uh, more than just a feeling, right? If we're going to consider it joy when we go through trials, happiness is not just based on how we feel because it hurts sometimes. We go through things that hurt. And if we're under trial, we know that we're not blessed because we're getting everything we want. We're not blessed because of something material that we can look at. We're blessed because of an understanding of who God is. God is using this trial for my good. It's a a faith thing. Let's keep going. It says, For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Oh, now we're talking about the test. And we're talking about a crown of life. What's the crown of life? It's eternal life. Okay? That's what that means. Crown of life. It's living forever. So when do we get this crown of life? It's when we pass from this life to the next, right? We're not getting the crown of life in this life. It's something we receive when we stand the test. Those two things go together. How do we pass this test? It's at the end of the verse. Which God has promised to those who what? Those who love him. God has promised that if you love him, you will receive the crown of life. You'll pass that final test. And ultimately, that is how you become this blessed person who Remain steadfast under trial. That's a person who loves God. Fundamental. Basic. Can you get through a trial without loving God? It's not a trick question. I think you can for a while. You can get through trials. Anybody know someone who's like really intelligent, determined, works hard? And just determines that no matter what has come my way, I'm going to rise above this and I'm going to be better. I'm not going to be defined by what happens to me. People love that. We celebrate that when we see someone who just went through something so difficult and they seem to come out stronger on the other side, right? I like seeing that. 
But intelligence, determination, hard work, mental strength, that's not going to help with the final test, is it? That's not going to help. The only thing that's going to matter at that time is, did you love God? We won't be able to say, I tried really hard. Man, I did really good considering what I was dealt. I did pretty good considering my circumstances. So I'd like to receive my crown of life. That's not enough. What's going to matter is, did you love God? Do you love God? What does that even mean? For us believers, I hope that that makes sense. I'm confident that's going to make sense for believers. If we love God, we'll pass this final test. But maybe you're sitting here thinking, that was my plan. That's what I was going to do. I was going to do my best, and hopefully at some point I was going to make it. I was going to get in to heaven. And I'm just going to share something real simple that we all know. We should never tire of hearing this. I want to let you know how you can know for sure that you're going to stand that ultimate test, that you will receive a crown of life, and you will, in fact, endure the trials that remain from this point on. How can you know? Well, it might sound like a little Christianese at first. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God for the forgiveness of your sins. Let's, let's flesh that out a little bit. I'm going to say a few things that every man of warrior guy should probably be a little more familiar with now. Every single one of us has been created by God. We were designed. We didn't happen by chance. We were made on purpose by a loving God, the loving God, who loves giving us life. That's a God that we serve. He loves us. And every single one of us has sinned against this God. What a sin. It's just disobedience to him. It's just a Bible word that means disobeying God and the things that he has written in his word. What his word says is Romans 6.23. Some of us might have this memorized. The wages of sin is death. What's that mean? The wages, wages is something that you earn for work that you've done, right? If you're going to do a job, most of us probably aren't doing that for free, at least not to support ourselves. So we expect to get a paycheck, okay? So in this sense, the work that we have done is sin. The work we have done is disobey God. And what we get back for that, according to Romans 6.23, is death. Death meaning separation from God. There's nothing we can do to close this gap between us and God because of what we have done. It's not because of what he's done. He doesn't want it that way. And there's good news. is that God loves us anyway. And he wants us to have a relationship with him anyway. Even though we have all messed up. I've messed up. You've messed up hate to tell you that. Actually, I'm glad to tell you that because you don't know if you can get fixed if you don't know you're broken. I'm serious. If you have ears to hear, 
you're broken. You need, you need a Savior. You need a God Almighty. And He wants you. I don't know, sometimes we get baggage because of bad examples from Christians sometimes. We get a skewed. We get a skewed view of God. He does not want us to die for our sins, even though that's exactly what we deserve. So he did what he could only, only he could do, and he sent his son, Jesus Christ, perfect son of God. To take our place. This didn't happen for a service, dang it. Sorry, guys. Okay, so he took our place. We deserve death. We've done wages. We deserve to die. And he said, no, I don't want that to happen. So he stood in our place. He came. He breathed just like we do. He had temptations just like we do. He lived in a body of flesh. And yet he didn't sin, not a single once, because he had a mission. The mission was to set us free from our sin and make us children of God. So he died on a cross for us. And he rose again three days later. That's what we were singing about. That requires faith to believe that. There's some great documentation on it. But it only comes alive if we believe it. Do we believe that? Do we know we need it? Do we want it? The Bible says that if we believe in Jesus, we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. If we believe, we will not pay for those sins. So when we see that God's love when we see God's love in the sacrifice of Jesus, we see that here's how he showed us how much he loves us. He sent a son. He did that for us. When we see that and we, believe, like we have a choice to make, right? We're confronted with, what do we do with that knowledge? Either we respond in, wow, God, you are good. I am so glad you did that. Lord, forgive me of my sins, and I'm so glad that you give me eternal life. That's a love, see? That's a love for God. You can't even love God until you know how messed up you are. And then when you realize how messed up you are, all oh, the love. That's where it comes from. Or we can decide, well, I just want to take my chances with my own efforts. I mean, we, can, we have a choice to make. God gave us that choice. But there's only one way that we're going to stand the final test. And that is by loving God. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean that you do everything right. It means that you believe in Jesus for taking your penalty of sin so that you don't ever have to do that. And then he lives in you. He makes you perfect in his sight. He looks at you and sees perfection, even as you're learning how to be perfect in the things that you do. I hope that every single one of us can recognize that truth and respond to God in faith and love. That is what sustains you through earthly trials. It doesn't mean you understand everything. It just means that you know your soul is secure, anchored in a God who loves you first. And that results in a crown of life. It's not based on what you do. It's based on what he did and what he gives. Hallelujah for that. And seriously, if you have questions about that, if you're like confused at all about that, we don't want to ever assume that everybody knows the gospel. In fact, the reason we say it is because we hope people hear it that have never heard it before. If you have questions about that, I'll be around after service. Call the church this week. 
something's going on inside of you, you're like, yeah, I want that. Come on, we want to know about that. We want to, we want to talk with you and pray with you. So that's our first point. Loving God keeps you steadfast in trials. That was verse 12. Let's look at verses 13 through 15. Maybe we'll speed up a little bit. We're going to talk about temptation. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. We just got real heavy. Let's talk about the word temptation. I am no Greek scholar. I really appreciate commentaries. And what I've discovered is that the word temptation is the same word for trial. And it's also the same word for test. It just depends on the context of the verse. Temptation can also be trial, can also be test. Okay? So in verse 12, when we see that we are blessed if we remain steadfast under trial, it could, re- it could mean we are steadfast under temptation. Sometimes a temptation is a trial. But the reason the word temptation is now being used or tempted is because of the word evil. If you look at verse 13, you see evil there. God cannot be tempted with evil. Because that word's present, that's associated with temptation. So um, it says that God tempts no one. We know that he tests people. You know, in the Old Testament, Abraham was tested. God tested his faith when he loved his son more than he loved God. Abraham loved his son Isaac more than he loved God. So God tested his faith. What we we can learn from this verse is we, we learn something new about God. God never tempts someone with evil. So he was never tempting Abraham to do something evil. That was never his intention. It was never going to happen that way. But he does test people. Jesus, in the New Testament, he tested his disciples. You got a group of 5,000 people coming to see Jesus, and they're all hungry. And Jesus looks at his disciples and says, hey, what are we going to do about this? How are we going to feed them? And it says he said this to test them. It wasn't that he was tempting them to do evil. He just was wondering, are you guys learning who I am? Did you know that I can feed 5,000 people with a little bit of food? So I say all that just to say that those were tests. Those were not temptations. They were not in any way associated with evil. God cannot be tempted with evil. Now, maybe some of you guys know that Jesus was tempted in the desert, wasn't he? Well, how can we say that God can't be tempted? The Bible contradicts itself. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. I know some well-meaning people think that. How can, you, how can this say this when... That happened. Well, let's think about it. When Jesus was tempted, tempted in the desert, I'm serious, what, how'd that go? Did Jesus sin? No, he didn't. He never gave in, not once. In fact, he quoted God's word in the midst of the temptation. Evil came, and it found no place in him. Jesus had the same kind of temptations that we do. He had a brain just like we do, and thoughts just pop up sometimes, don't they? Don't they? (laughs) 
Sometimes thoughts pop up even in the middle of the sermon. Ooh. I can't read your thoughts. Don't worry. It's okay. But sometimes things like that happen. And you go, whoa, what, the, what was that? How did that happen? I'm singing, sitting here singing Jesus songs. and I don't need to get super into detail about that. But that happens, okay? That's not from God. And the way that Jesus handled that is a perfect model for us. How do you handle thoughts when they pop into your head? Let's keep reading. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 14, look at what it says. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by what? His own desire. What makes temptation even effective? It's our desires. It's what we want. If we didn't want anything sinful, then it wouldn't matter. Temptation wouldn't matter. Look at those words, lured and enticed. We don't usually think of ourselves as luring ourselves, enticing ourselves. But that's kind of what's happening here. Now let's keep going. Verse 15. Desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. Conceived gives birth. That is one ugly baby. Conceived. I mean, what a graphic way to describe what happens when temptation comes along. So let's think about this. What, what does that even mean? Where is desire happening? It's in our hearts. It's in our minds. It's in our thoughts. Notice desire comes first in verse 15. Desire by itself isn't sin. Something has to happen for desire to become sin. So something pops in your head that you know is evil. You have a choice to make, don't you? Sit here and dwell on it or reject it. Well, God's word says I shouldn't do that. By the way, sometimes we feel bad when a thought pops into our head. That doesn't necessarily mean that you've sinned. You don't have to feel... In fact, sometimes when we feel bad because a thought just pops in our head, that's actually a good sign. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this is warning. Don't latch onto this. But then we have a choice to make. Are we going to do that? Or are we going to sit here and mull it over and dwell on it, whatever it might be, i.e., the desire conceives and then gives birth to sin? Just because a thought pops into our head doesn't mean you have to do it either. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that you have to do something with that feeling. You don't have to act it out. And you might say, hey, you don't understand, David. Like, when this thought pops into my head, I lose physical control. I literally cannot stop myself from whatever it might be. It's just the way I'm wired. It's just the way that I am. Well, maybe we haven't really thought about it, thought about it in this way. When we say things like that, we think things like that, we're kind of saying, that's, how, that's just how God made me. Now, that's a sobering thought. Based on what we just read, did God make you that way? God cannot be tempted with evil. He tempts no one. Why would he do that to you? Why would he put that in you? He is everything holy, and he wants us to be just like him. God did not make you that way. Rock Prairie students, you guys probably can quote a verse about this. 1 Corinthians 10.13. 
Can you guys memorize that? 1 Corinthians 10, 13? Could you come up here and say it right now? I'm just kidding with you. You could if you wanted to. I wouldn't stop you, I don't think. But it's a fabulous verse, and it speaks right into what we're talking about right now. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. What's that verse say? God will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. And he will always give you a way out. You do not have to give in to sin. That was not how you were made. That's not my opinion, because I've had a lot of opinions that need to be corrected over the years. What are we supposed to base our life on? What God has said. And what he has said is that he will always give you a way out every single time. If you're saved, if you know Jesus, then he has put his spirit in you. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness. You ever heard that? That's a promise from the scripture. You have what you need. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world, right? So unfortunately, if we sin, that's our fault. It's not God's fault. God has provided a way out. And yep, that's a pretty negative thing, isn't it? But this can actually be helpful for someone who really thinks, I'll never be able to change. Maybe you've thought that. I know I've thought that before in regards to things that I've dealt with in my life. Maybe you think, I'll never be able to stop. I just keep coming. When you come back and you pray and you say, Lord, I'm sorry, but you know, that's just kind of how I am. I don't know if we've ever prayed like that, but maybe we've thought that way. Man, I just can't shake it. You can think that way as a non-believer and a believer. Did you know that? You can think that way as a believer. Believers can have some messed up thinking sometimes. Just because we're saved doesn't mean that we never have wrong thinking. So maybe on the authority of God's word, maybe that word's coming alive in you right now and you, can, you realize, okay, I don't have to do this anymore. You can start to change. I'm not saying you're going to flip a light bulb and all of a sudden things will be different. And I'm certainly not saying that temptation goes away. But maybe a really good place to start is by saying, Lord, I've been looking to a lot of other things to blame for what is happening with me. I may have even blamed you. That happens. There is grace and honesty and humility when you approach the Lord like that. Come at him with everything that you've got. All the mess, because he wants to help with the mess. You can't do that if you think that it's his fault. You can get temptations also even when you're going through trials, right? Tempted to think that God isn't good, that God doesn't know what's going on with you then the answer is the same. Come at him with honesty. Temptation to sin doesn't come from him. And he welcomes our repentance. Did you know that? God loves it when you come at him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Help me not do it again. And I know that based on your word, you're going to do that. Okay? Sound good? Everybody still awake? All right. We're almost there. Verses 16 through 18. Just going to talk about remembering the goodness of God. 
Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Do not be deceived, brothers. That goes right along with the temptation part. Don't be deceived. God is not causing you to sin. Then he says, do not be deceived. Every good gift, every good gift, every perfect gift comes from where? From above. That's the God we serve. Remember that. God gives the good stuff. And he doesn't change. Man, what a contrast. Where's the evil stuff come from that we just read about? It's in us. But what does God give? The good and the perfect gift. And he doesn't change. It says, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Think about this. He's never tempted anyone with evil. He's never been tempted by evil, ever, ever. And he always has been a giver. And we see it best in verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Of his own will, which means he wanted to. He wanted to bring us forth by the word of truth. What does that mean? What's the word of truth? It's the gospel. It's believing in Jesus Christ and becoming a child of God. That is the good news. When you believe that, God brings you forth which means that you become saved. It's like John 3, being born again. That happened because he wanted it to happen. And what a better way to prove that God gives every good and perfect gift than to point to the ultimate gift. The ultimate gift. Jesus, salvation through his son. It truly doesn't get any better than that. That's the culmination of everything in this passage. How do we get sustained through every bad thing that happens to us, whether it's temptation, whether it's trial? It is remembering God's goodness, clearly shown in the gift of salvation. So no matter how bad things get, nothing can take that away. Amen? Nothing can take your faith away. Nothing. I like to use, this is my demonstration of what life looks like right now. It's got a beginning, and it's got an end, and it's like really small, right? Life is short. And eternity is like taken off that way with no end, right? We're in Kokomo, we're in Michigan, we're beyond. This is life now, and that's eternity. No limit. No matter how bad or good things might seem in this little life of ours, it's all going to go eventually. We're all going to have that final test come, right? And think about what Jesus did, this giver of all good and perfect things. He knows that we only have this much time to become a child of his. He made it possible so that when we leave this life, and every single one of us will, we don't know when that is, but when we do, we can know for sure what's going to happen. That's already taken care of, okay? That's how God proves how much he loves us. If God 
sacrificed his son to make eternity possible for us with life with him, will he not also see us through every single trial that we will have in this little speck of life? And it's very significant. It's not insignificant. It's very significant. If we're going to trust God with eternity, can we trust him with the day-to-day stuff? Yes, we can. And I am confident for you as believers that you will. Don't get the idea that God's out to get you. Sometimes we can think that. If God was out to get you, he would have never sent Jesus. He would have never died for every single person. God's not out to get you. He will sustain you. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. When? At the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we get that crown of life, not based on what we have done, but what Jesus has done. He will complete the work in you. Is anybody perfect yet in this room? Just me? You're still listening. Yes. I'm just kidding. I'm not perfect. None of us are perfect, right? We're working on it. We keep coming to God for grace and forgiveness, and he's making us better little by little, but there's going to be a day when he brings that all to completion, and we are going to be holy completely in, in the way that he looks at us and in the way that we are in everything that we do on that day of Jesus Christ. I don't know what all we struggle with in this room today. I know some, and it's hard, isn't it? Hurts our heart. I don't know what every person's story is. I know some. So I just want to throw out a, a question you don't have to a- answer out loud, but how you doing? How you really doing? Are you going through something right now that's really painful, really hard? Are you struggling with a temptation? Is something going on that's causing you to forget God's goodness? I want you to know that he understands. That's not just something to say to make you feel good. But it is true. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. He knows. He cares. He's been through it. I can't say that. I haven't walked in your shoes. But you, say, you serve the same God that I do, and he knows. Will you trust him? Keep trusting him. And if you're here, and you, again, you're not necessarily, you wouldn't call yourself a believer, I say the same thing to you. God sees you. God loves you. He loves you. And he extends grace to you and forgiveness to you if you will receive that. If you will receive it, if you will believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, like all of us believers have done. It is the most important thing that you can ever do. So let's just review real quick. How do you get through trials? How do you endure and remain steadfast? Love God. Love God. Keep loving God. When temptation comes and we sin, whose fault is that? It's ours. And when we know that, we can actually do something about it. 
we can begin to change based on what God's word says. And in everything that we do, we need to remember the goodness of God. Don't forget. Everything that's difficult is only for a short time and it'll be here and it'll be gone. Remember the goodness of God. Remember your salvation. Remember the faith that you are called to. Keep going, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's simple, and yet it is hard to follow sometimes. Holy Spirit, help us. Help those in this room that are dealing with some very painful things. You are the God of comfort and peace, wisdom, when we don't know what to do. I pray you provide that. Lord, I pray for those that maybe have heard your word and are actually starting to believe it today, those who maybe are becoming born again right now. I don't know, Lord, but I pray that you complete the work that you started. May we be more like you, Lord. May we walk in your strength and not in our own understanding. We love you, and we are so thankful that you really did love us first. Thank you for Jesus. Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.